The race is on, and while today in Barcelona was all about testing, we have seen all 10 cars together on track at last. But what can we actually learn from day one of testing? I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me to answer that question are Mark Hughes and Gary Anderson. Mark, finally turned up. I think this is our 13th podcast. We've been waiting for so long. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We've got you down from the uh, from the wild north to uh, to offer your, offer your insight. Yeah, I'll carry on. You're just trying to make sure everyone can understand what, uh, what words you're saying. And Gary Anderson, <laughs> another first day of testing for you. Yeah, another first day of testing for me. I've been here for a few of them. Um, interesting day because, you know, to be honest, it's the first day of testing but and we had, I don't know how many cars ran. There was um, different drivers changing at lunchtime, but there was 10 teams running, obviously a single car each, and they changed their drivers at lunchtime, but nothing stopped. They just kept going. Um, I don't think there was a red, a red flag at all during the whole day. I mean, that's just absolutely incredible for the, how complex these cars are um, and how they come at them from sort of different directions to achieve the same goal from, from a team point of view. To get that reliability on day one is, is pretty impressive. Do you think it might have been that the restriction to six days over the two weeks rather than eight has really focused their minds on getting everything running straight away so they don't waste any valuable time so they don't run out of performance testing time? Um, yeah, it is, but you know, it's always the things that you haven't quite done right that catch you out. So, uh, you know, again, just the planning and trying to make sure that doesn't happen is 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 quite tough. So, uh, you know, I have to pat them all on the back for it. I know what it's like with cars that you know you have reliability problems, and we've seen it here through the years. I mean, two thousand fourteen, when we first got these new regulations, you know, for the first morning, nobody left the pits; they just couldn't get out of the garage, really. So just a, a whole different dimension and it's all part of this the fact that you know now they're so geared up to run all the stuff on test rigs of some sort mechanical test rigs i mean we say it's six days testing but you know the i think you know honda can put a complete car on a, on a rig and run the gearbox and engine the whole thing running so that's the sort of reliability stuff that lets you down and and really you know the the the, the equipment that the teams have now is just second to none I think the other factor today, of course, was the track temperatures because last year people couldn't get the tyres up to temperature and were doing spins first lap out of the pits and red flag and red flag. And so we, we didn't have any of that today. It was a really good, really good day. And you could see the track, as far as track side, you could see it sort of rubbering in before your eyes. It was getting blacker and blacker in the braking zones. And it was just, you know, it was really good. It was a really good running day. Yeah, it didn't kind of feel like that first day of freezing cold testing. No, it really didn't. It felt like you know proper Grand Prix weekend almost. It, it was it really ramped up very quickly. And the amount of mileage we saw was massively increased. I had a look at the number of laps that were done last year, and then compared it to this year. And the increase this year is forty-two percent. Even if you even if you knock out Williams, because Williams obviously didn't run on the first day, they were so underprepared they didn't have the car ready. It's still a twenty-seven percent increase of, of laps, taking into account the other nine teams. So they are they are really racking at the miles. I think the whole point about just being a bit more efficient with testing is a is a big thing. They know they can't afford to waste days, and that that kind of that has grown over the years, hasn't it? From sixteen to twelve to eight to six uh, six days. But I mean, you mentioned going, going tracks. Obviously, on the first day, the cars are always finding their way. They're doing aero tests, so it's uh, it's probably the least representative you'll ever see uh, these cars running this year. But uh, but you do get a bit of a feel for some of the character of some of the cars and some of the strengths and weaknesses. So yeah, what what really grabbed your attention? The Red Bull. Um, so watching it turn two three, where you've got uh, a sort of an S bend going up the hill, and you're compromised by the the you can't get a, a proper angle of attack into three because you're busy sorting two out by the time it arrives. So there's, there's inevitable 
um, a degree of compromise, but that handled that compromise way better than any car. It, 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 the the Mercedes was sort of comparably quick, but it was wasn't as aggressive in the direction change. And he, Max Verstappen was just putting it where he wanted. He was changing up before the actual turn in of three. Uh, the Merc was sometimes doing that. None of the others were. They were changing after the turn in. Um, just a little visual indication of, of how much speed we're able to carry in there. But having said that, uh, the Red Bull looked a little bit edgy on the slope. So we saw Max have a couple of spins and um, on the slower corners. So, you know, I think, Gary, you probably see quite often, don't we, that a, a car can be out of balance in one speed range, but in balance in another one. And it... I guess we're still in the early stages of finding out whether that window is wide enough on any particular car. So, yeah, what what do you think? Yeah, I think it is a compromise. The one thing that sort of uh, gets your attention is obviously trying to get the balance, or the driver gets your attention, is try to get the balance in the fast corners, and then you sort of live with the slower corner, basically. And I think that's what uh, Red Bull Verstappen is doing at the minute. Um, you know, they still work the front wing, the outboard end of the front wing, um, quite hard. So they've got a sort of loaded front wing, more more of a loaded front wing in the outward portion. So that normally is, is pretty good for low-speed corners because when you turn the steering wheel for a low-speed corner, you put more steering lock on it. So you actually open up more of that part of the wing by by the wheel getting out of the way as such. So that makes the wing work harder. The, the steering can be a little bit of a switch. So they may have, you know, we used to play around with, with sort of three or four different steering angles. Um, obviously down the straight, the wheels are straight ahead. Then you would turn the... The road wheels are about three degrees for a very fast corner, six degrees for a mediumish speed, nine degrees for a slow speed corner, and, and twelve degrees for a hairpin. And you can move the centre of pressure forward um, with that steering lock uh, if you do the front wing end plates correctly. Um, but you can be too aggressive with it as well. So I think that might be what is happening with the Red Bull at the moment. They just haven't got the balance between the two for the steering lock characteristic change. So. It's a simple thing to fix if you know you've got that problem. And really, truthfully, that's one of the things that you don't know what the driver can live with until you get to the track. Um, the track is the one thing that put, that makes that balance change stand out. So I'm sure they'll work in that area and make it better. And I guess when you've got a driver like Verstappen who quite happily lives with a, an unstable car, your temptation is to take it up to that limit as a first guess, isn't it? And you work backwards from there if you need to. Yeah, they, they've also got uh, quite a, a, a funny, a strange front suspension. Most teams have it now where the pushrod bolts onto the upright. And basically with that, you can lower the front of the car when you put steering lock on it. And you can also jack the weight across the car. And all of that is to try to reduce the understeer at low speed because these cars, the tendency is for them to understeer at low speed. Now, you will. what happens normally is that when you go to a softer tyre, which you use for qualifying, you normally get more understeer. So they're they're running the the, the harder tire at the moment. So you know that maybe they're taking that into account that whenever they go to the soft tire, they will have on the car very pointy in the slow speed. It'll stop that understeer a bit. So yeah, let, let's see how the, the days unfold. But I, I quite like the Red Bull because it's the detail on it is just from front to back is is pretty impressive. Yeah, you're very much admiring that car in the pit lane uh, this afternoon, taking it close. One of the good things we should note is that they have—they're not allowed to have the screens in front of the garage anymore unless they're doing a major repair. So you can just go down and stand and just look at the car. We had a few Ferrari mechanics uh, blocking our view of it while they were doing some work on the on the rear earlier, but basically you can just stand there, look at the car, really get a feel for all those details that that normally are quite hard to grab at this time of year. 
Yeah, I've heard rumours that they're going to offer you and me a job as uh, as blockers. We'd be because, brilliant value. Yeah, we'll have to put the the, the, fund, the money up a bit. Oh. You'd be you'd be yeah, useless, be Mark. Sorry, you're like a straw. <laughs> you, know, you need mass. Mm. We've got mass. Yeah. We got mass. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's uh, there'll be a few teams that, that, that pull that trick, but most of them were just sort of resigned to it, weren't they? And you could actually they wouldn't answer questions, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> Occasionally, brief, 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 <laughs> brief conversations, but yeah, they're they're not uh, they're not quite that cooperative. But it's it's good to see Formula One in, in uh, kind of embracing that uh, a little bit more. We, we should probably talk a little bit about Mercedes because we've we've not mentioned them as as yet, and as usual, uh, Mercedes. Racking up the miles straight out of the box, more laps than anyone else. Lewis Hamilton fastest, one sixteen nine seven six, which is a lot faster than than the fastest yeah, time, the equivalent time last year, which comfortably was comfortably fastest, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And so he, he was quick as Valtteri Bottas second. Actually, Sergio Perez was was third for what the times are worth. But just as we've come to expect, Mercedes comes out, it does the miles, the car looks at least sort of fine, and it works. And it's just you know six six seasons have happened. And this is the first day of the seventh, and nothing fundamentally has changed. We can certainly say they haven't dropped the ball. We're sure of that, aren't we? Well, it is different to last year, of course, in, in terms not in terms of how much running they did, but in terms of how, how quick they were. And we we later found out that last year's first week car wasn't the Pucker car. The Pucker car came in the second week because it was with the new regulations. They felt that the improvement curve in the wind tunnel was steep enough to justify doing that. And they've said all along, we're not doing that this year. We did it in 17 with the new regs. We did it with 19, but we're not doing it. And so what we're seeing this week is, the, you know, the, the Pucker test car and straight away. And it's quick. The thing you got to remember as well, though, that time was done on the hard tire, which, you know, there's Four C2s, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's four tenths, maybe five tenths, and, and going to the, the tire that whoever was second fastest was using. So that 16.9 could very easily become a 16.5 or 16.4 very, very quickly, which would probably be a few people depressed about, about that. But there is a lot of people, I think Ferrari are one of them, that are saying that, you know, they're they're not pushing their testing this year as they did last year for performance run, and they're, they're learning about the car. And maybe there's a few people taking too much heat of what Mercedes did last year. You know, Mercedes had developments in the pipeline coming through for the second test and then for the race weekend in, in Melbourne. And a few people, I think, rely on that their development programs that are coming through is going to do the same step. I think a few of them might get a shock. It's a strange thing because as long as Ferrari have changed their, the way they approach it because they think it's a better way to work rather than they're worried about people misinterpreting times because just as it as it's sort of fraudulent if you do a low fuel run just to get a top time for a day and grab some headlines it's just as fraudulent to sort of say well we'll just be really quiet so no one notices us in the hope of doing it so I, I just hope they're doing that for the right reasons and we know that Ferrari can be quite sensitive to what the Italian media is doing etc so as long as there's a real there's a reason for it that that's that's okay isn't it but it doesn't necessarily stand a reason you know seeing some people put in this argument well last year they were really quick at the start of testing and then they didn't win in Australia and this year they're they're not very quick in outright lap time that doesn't matter itself in in testing but therefore they're going to be brilliant that's not it's not that simple, is it? It's about what you're doing and why. Yeah, I think I think they need to bolt some new bits in the car. As I said earlier, the the, the Ferrari seem to have got left behind a little bit on the on the direction of the era philosophy that the majority of teams have taken. And I've always, you know, worked on the basis that the majority aren't usually wrong. You know, they're yeah, they got their unloaded outboard end of the front wing and that, but I think that's a minimal problem to them. I mean, everything is converging a bit. <clears throat> the teams that had the highly loaded front wing outboard end has dropped it a bit and the teams that have got the lesser loaded front wing end plates has, has raised it a bit so 
you know, there is a compromise in the middle there somewhere, and you've also got to look at the leading edge of that part of the wing. <coughs> Some teams run um, a fairly high leading edge. There's a, a big throat underneath it, the ones that run a, a, a higher trailing edge. So we're going to do a little bit of a survey on that a little bit later in the week uh, across the teams to see what we can get. But there's, I think they've got bigger aerodynamic problems personally than, than just that area. I'm wondering if Ferrari have thought, if we do um, if we switch philosophy, if we go to the loaded outboard wing like Mercedes or Red Bull, it's going to take us half a season to get to fully understand it, and then it's obsolete anyway because the twenty one regs are completely different. I wonder if they've just thought, well, we'll just pull this one as far as we can and and almost write this season off and just do as best we can with it with what we've got. Um, you know, maybe maybe not, but just it's a it makes it makes you think that the first impression makes you think. Right, the season off might be a bit strong, but I know what you mean in terms mm. of you, you yes. there's not enough upside to taking the it, downside. Yeah, and 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 there might be an upside in twenty one. Yeah, I I sort of I've always worked the philosophy that you you sort of half of the direction of development is about proving to yourself that you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just sort of stand still and say, "I oh, know that that would be okay," it might take us a little while to get on top of it. You're not proving it to yourself or to your team. And to be honest, to go into, into 2021 regulations, which are completely different, I think you've got to have confidence in your ability to direct the direction, of, direct the um, development direction. Because, you know, they are all new cars, and, and the cars are very dimensional for 2021. You, 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 to be honest, to understand the regulations, you need to draw the car out first before you can even see it. These regulations, you can read them, and you can get a picture in your mind of what the, what the areas you can work on. But the 2021 regs were completely different. You need to draw, design the car, basically, and then say, right, okay, wow, look at that, and uh, and how these are the areas that we can modify a little bit. So I think you have to you have to have a lot of confidence in your ability to read those regulations and, and optimize it. And if you don't show that to yourself, I think you always go in with a question mark over it. It seems odd that though that they've done a relatively conservative car this year, given how progressive they've been since '17. Really, I mean, a lot of innovation coming out of there and really really creative stuff that since being copied i mean mercedes of side pods is the classic yeah, example exactly um so it it's not the, the people in there can't create is it it, it, it it seems to have been a decision to, to 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 go on this very conservative route well they might have taken that decision based on what mercedes did last year so there might be a a couple of truckloads of stuff coming up from Italy to uh, to bolt onto the car sometime during the next two weeks, and even for for Melbourne. So we have to wait and see. Is we still you know we still haven't seen the true cars that are going to race in Melbourne. Anybody we've spoken today have said that the, the team has said, well, you know the car's fairly primitive at the minute. There's a big update package coming, so Ferrari won't tell us that, but I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll be doing something. Well. Yeah, you know, it's still early days, and these are really sort of early impressions we're trying to give of the car. But it's it is good though that we've got some slightly different philosophies across the uh, across the top teams. At least it's, it gives a technical talking point. And even though the rules are quite restrictive, and next year they're going to be even more restrictive with the, the twenty one package. But at least there's still differences that even the untrained eye can just look at. You can look at the Ferrari and compare the nose. You can see it. You know, it's it's great. There's these, still these differences people can look at. We should uh, talk about some of the uh, midfield teams as well. I mean. Just going in times order for convenience uh, as much as anything. Sergio Perez was third, only four tenths down. Again, gap not representative. We're not worried about that. But Mark, a lot of talk about the fact it was a pink Mercedes was the yeah. phrase everyone was applying. Yeah, to it. I mean it, it's got. Um, it looks much more like last year's Mercedes than it looks like last year's Racing Point. There's no question of that. I mean the the nose is nearly identical. It's not dissimilar in profile further back either. Um, 
but why not? I mean, it's uh, they, they, they're using the, the, the same engine gearbox. The wheelbase is going to be about the same. I understand that they, they may um, be using front components from Mercedes now. It just seems a logical thing to do. You're allowed to do it. Why, why would you go a different path to a better resource team that, that, that's, that's just won a world championship? Well, as Gunter uh, Schein of the Haas team, he was asked about that tonight. So there's been a, a little bit of uh, there's been a little bit of aggro between those two teams in the past, and Haas got a lot of criticism for using Ferrari bits when it well, not just when it first came in, but on, over a sustained period. So obviously, he was asked to see if he'd uh, throw a few stones back. But he said, "Well, of course you're going to do that if you're a small team. Why wouldn't you do that? It validates the, the approach we've taken. It's logical." Uh, and he also said, "It also makes sense that if you're going to take some concept inspiration from front runners, which all teams do, they all look well. They all look at each other. You can always learn something, Ricard. It makes sense that you would take it from the." the kind of team you're connected to because the Mercedes engine installation, Mercedes Mercedes engine, Mercedes gearbox, you know, rear suspension, that, that's the rear end effectively of the Mercedes. So that's designed to work with the rest of the Mercedes. As I said, so that, that's your logical pathway. It's your logical pathway. I'm a bit worried because they're now using the Mercedes wind tunnel as well that mm-hmm. sort of, whenever Mercedes finished one of their tests, they left their model in the tunnel and... <laughs> <laughs> now we can categorically rule that out, can't we? Because that's not. There have been legal cases about this sort of thing in the yeah, past. Yeah, I think no. you know that very well. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's just it's so it's difficult to say because you know the guys at, at um, Racing Point are you know a lot of people there that I have worked with and that have done a very good job, and they are they are racers as a, as a team. So it's a great team. Yeah, I think inspiration taken from from Mercedes is. That's a world-class... I should just say, so to set the scene, in the background, we've got Luke Hinsel, our, our ace video uh, producer, who's just editing a video we recorded earlier, and he just, he just snuck in. You wouldn't have heard him. And then he decided to sneak out of, of a glass door. Unfortunately, he'd slightly misjudged, misjudged the, the width of his hips. Yeah, yeah. I think he doesn't, he's got a bigger rear end than... Than, uh, <laughs> than he realises. <laughs> than a Ferrari. But, but it's, uh, it's, not, it's nice he was making the effort, though. So. Yeah, yeah um, you know, the team's very good, the team's very strong. And I'm just hoping the team have have made a conscious decision to really take a, take a a lead from the six times world um, world champions Mercedes, and it hasn't been a little bit of muscle or, or uh, something coming from from um, Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence Stroll that's forced them into that position for instant success as such. Um, well, we should say ultimately as well, though, that the car has got some differences. So it, it isn't last year's Mercedes. There are there are clear differences in in aero surfaces, etc. But yeah, that is a team in a hurry. The ownership wants to make gains quickly, and ultimately, there's, there's things that team needs to do: expanding its factory, its facilities, in order to do what the big teams do. So it's quite a sensible thing to think. Well, while we're gearing up to do this, let's take some of this off the shelf part. But I think. Big ambitions at, at that team, but the, the fact that they've they've come out with a car like that's quite encouraging. And the pace doesn't mean a great deal, but it's certainly not looking like a bad car, is it? Uh, the next quickest of the midfield ones, Daniel Kvyat in the Alpha Tauri, as we must now call it, in fifth place, seven tenths down for what it for what it's worth. Now, Gary, we had a chat with Jody Eggington, the the technical director at, at uh, I was going to say Toro Rosso, but I, uh, I I almost stopped myself there. Yeah. The technical director Alpha uh, Alpha Tauri, and there bullish about their their chances and they've really taken this thing of having a partner team red bull technology stuff almost not not to the limit in a bad way but they're they're taking everything they can and really focusing their effort on their aero concept and their approach which is actually different 
to that the Red Bull. Anybody who says that that's just a Red Bull in different colours hasn't looked at the car. No, no, I agree. I agree completely. Uh, you know, there is nothing wrong, I think, with what's going on in the fact that, you know, Red Bull has a B team. It's, it's, you've still got to clothe the car in your own, your own creation and bodywork, but they have a B team with a lot of mechanical parts on it. Ferrari have a B team in Haas. They've sort of got a bit of a B team in, in Alfa Romeo, or C team, whatever you like to call it. And, uh, and again, with Racing Point, you know, for Mercedes, it's a bit of a B team. And there's nothing wrong with that, because those, those big guys are spending huge, huge budgets on research and stuff. So, you know, you might as well latch onto that, and it will help the smaller teams to improve their performance. And all we want is competitive racing. So um, the, the new Alfa Turi is, you know, it's a nice car. The, the sort of understanding philosophy from Jody talking to him today was very, very good. So I think that he's, you know, he's in a position where they've now got two drivers that aren't new drivers coming up through. They're actually experienced drivers. Both of them have driven for the, the, the mothership, Red Bull, I suppose you might call it. Um, and they've been downgraded to drive for Toro Rosso again. But they are podium-experienced um, drivers. They've also you know, been very good at qualifying and whatever. So they need, you know, this is probably, um, I almost called them Toro Rosso as well. Almost, uh, this, this is probably AlphaTuri's best opportunity to actually put in a good season and just make sure that they, you know, they, they take the best out of what they've got because it's the last year of these regulations and the regulation changing dramatically for next year. So, you know, anything could happen next year for the, for the teams as far as getting it really, really right for a small team and getting it really, really wrong for a big team. That can all happen for sure with the regulation change that we're looking at. Let's just briefly note that Luke Insel, our video producer, has been in and out of the room several times without crashing. So nobody will have, will have heard. Let's just rattle through the last few teams. Uh, Mark, you went and chatted to Carlos Sainz Jr. at the end of the day. McLaren uh, obviously had a, a sort of run. They were cracking on with mileage quite early on. He was six fastest, 0.86 down. Good yeah. start from I mean, they, they, they um, were talking about touching on before we were talking about how well prepared the teams all were you basically said well we were out of tyres really that, that's, that's, that's how reliable we were we, it's effectively we ended, 10 sets a day isn't yeah, it yeah so we ended up doing pit stop practice instead so he made the point that this is a very basic car that they've, they've come up you know for, for these first few days in just in order to get that running in and there's a lot of performance coming and even so it doesn't look too dusty it maybe looks a little bit weak on the front end out on track but well the night it looks tidy just just sort of try to relate that 10 sets of tires Ed you've got the laps there how many laps did the McLaren do have you got them uh, the McLaren did 161 laps so that's 16 laps Per set of tires as a, as a rough guide, which is a reasonable amount of mileage. It's not a generous circuit on tires, is it? In terms of it's, it's reasonably hard on them. Yeah, but again, you know, if you got, a, I think it's a sixty-six lap race here. So if you're doing sixteen laps on each set of tires, you've got a, a multi-stop race, and we know that's not going to happen. So I would question the fact of running out of tires. I would say you're going to have to take them further than that mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. you get a real handle on how your car's looking after tires for a race distance that's probably got a two-stop race here. You know, that's 22 laps per stint. So unless you can drag, you know, 22, maybe 25 laps out of it now in these conditions, you might just hit the barrier a bit to come, come the race here. Yeah, it'd be interesting to monitor the, the uh, how much they're getting out of a set of tyres uh, as the days go on. Renault, Mark Hughes, Daniel Ricciardo was seventh fastest for them. Uh, uh, yeah, not nine tenths down, basically. Uh, and Esteban Ocon took over the car and he was... A tenth and a bit behind that so you know the Renault catching the eye for the we, we talked yesterday on the podcast about the narrow nose etc yeah. but kind of a kind of a, it feels a bit of an inconclusive day really for Renault we're not 
Yeah, I mean, it, on track, it looks a tidy car. It looks um, nice. Very the, the the Renault engine this year, incredibly smooth um, sounding. Don't know what's changed. Do you can actually hear the whirring of the 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 ears as it goes past? But um, that aside, it looks a nice, easy, balanced car. It just doesn't at the moment have the sheer grip of um, something like a Red Bull or a Mercedes. But yeah, I guess a, a solid start. Williams, Gary, George Russell was ninth fastest, one point one nine two seconds down. Kind of a, a worlds away from where they were at the start of last. Well, I say at the start of last year, worlds away from where they were last year. And George Russell was very happy about about the car. I think he said it wasn't quite as scary as last year's car to drive. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing about it. I think last year taught him a lesson about the and made him into a better driver, probably because you have to drive within the vehicle you got. You've always got to do that. So it's good because it allows you to push to the limit of the vehicle you're driving and that that's always important especially whenever you consider you know you've got maybe a little bit of a damp condition you're on slicks and you still got to go out there and push to the limit of the grip level you've got and, and George was able to handle that pretty well last year he didn't have big offs and stuff which is very easy to happen um, but yeah I think they're a bit more impressed with the car this year you know they've, they've you know at the end of the day whenever it all boils down I think they've probably joined the back of the midfield bunch I don't think they're that much better than just joining the back of the midfield bunch. Yeah, they're not um, hanging off the, the, the end of it yeah. anymore. No, they've joined in the back. But that's a win for them, yeah, yeah, getting yeah, in the yeah, game. Yeah. Last, the right last year, there was as big a gap from the, the team that was ninth to them and tenth as there was from the team as there was from the team that was third to the team that was ninth, or more or less. So, you know, closing that gap up will give them an opportunity. And if you've got an opportunity, you get the motivation. And also, you know, whenever other teams have a bad day, you have a bit of a good day and suddenly it's all a bit different for you. So, yeah, let's see how the rest of the testing unfolds. It's very, very early to make any, too many assumptions. Alfa Romeo, Mark, this morning we went down there to... Uh First thing to have a look at the, the car as it was sort of revealed that we had seen some shakedown uh, shots the other week. Uh, Robert Kubica was actually the faster of their drivers, 1.410 seconds down. Antonio Giovinazzi took over and ended up being slowest overall. You know, there seems to be some reasonable detail gains on that car, but also another, it seemed, seemed like a bit of a tricky day for them. Yeah, um, I don't think fully representative. They were doing very, uh, they did a lot of running on the harder tyres, didn't they? Um, and they're talking about, or uh, Giovinazzi was talking about at the end of the day that um, they, they're going to get get you know more running in on the softer tyres in the next two days. So get, probably have a better handle on on them by then. I think um, I think they look you know solidly in the midfield, even though the 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 list would would put them at the back. I don't think that's representative. I don't think there's any. There's not a class C this year. Probably not anyway, that we did have a clear Class C last year with, with Williams. Uh, we're really using the times order here just as a sorting mechanism more than anything because it's convenient. And that brings us to the last team, Gary Haas. Kevin Magnussen was 14th, 1.490 seconds down, but 106 laps. A lot of work was being done aero-wise with that team. Obviously, they had an aero problem last year that contributed to their problems and then led on to the problems they had with his hires, etc. And it was very difficult to pick that up in the conditions here last year. So they'll be very aware of that. And there'll be a, so a lot of work going on there just to make sure everything's correlating as it, as it should do. And Gunter talked about this. That's exactly the right approach for Haas, isn't it? So a day spent data gathering, understanding, making sure that the, the gremlins that were there in the car last year, but didn't, didn't show have been eliminated. Well, the problem is they didn't show last year and they went away from here, cock-a-hook that all was well. And they won't show this year either. It's just such a difference when you get to circuits where there's temperature in the ground, ambience higher. If you get any little airflow separation problems, let's say, in the diffuser, 
and they're not big enough to notice here. Once you get to those hotter circuits, they just multiply by you know tenfold, and suddenly it becomes a drama. And if you haven't got good rear grip when you're braking and turning into the corner, or if you have got good stability, aerodynamic stability when you're braking and turning into the corner, it'll be okay on fresh tires. But whenever the tires get a bit used up, you know the rear of the car becomes really nervous, and then it just eats up the rear tires. So, yeah, I'm sure they're looking deeply at it to try and make sure they they've covered themselves. But they, I don't think they showed to me last year that they really got a handle on the problem uh, enough to do it. And that's what I'm saying about confidence in your direction and development. You know, if you don't have a go at fixing it, um, then you're still going in there with a question mark hanging over it. So, um, again, we'll have to see how it unfolds for them. But I haven't seen anything yet on the car that I would have said was uh, was a really sort of exciting thing. And actually, there's, there's one interesting point um, down on the... They've got turning vanes hanging down from the chassis, basically, and through the front wheels. And there's they've got turning vanes that are turning airflow in towards the centre of the car, similar to Ferrari and whatever. But they've also got a batch of turning vanes on the outside of the footplate of it, turning the airflow outwards. And, you know, the airflow's got to go in there and scratch its head to think, where am I going to go now? It's, 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 it's quite a strange thing to do to try and ask the airflow to go in two different directions at the same time. And it's the same airflow you're talking to. So um, I think there's a little bit of a lack of... A lack of something there. I'm not quite sure what it is. Well, as we said, it's only the first day. These are only basic impressions, and there's going to be lots more to come in the coming days. And we'll bring you loads more from Gary Anderson, Mark Hughes, Scott Mitchell, myself, the whole team here in Barcelona. (laughs) 